Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. For me it was a golden era of football because all the players, I mean the top players were getting like decent money but it wasn't ridiculous money and everybody played because they loved the game and every club in Man City especially was just like a big family. You know, everybody knew everybody. There was only the manager, the coach, assistant manager, land, the tea lady, laundry lady, chief scout, and the players. That was it. And then um, it was a really, really good time. And uh, I was in digs with three good friends, Ian Boyer, Steve Carter, and Dave Gibbons. The four of us were in one room in digs, and we had a ball. So it was just a brilliant time for me. I loved loved every minute. All the young players got a chance. You know, Derek Jeffries, Tony Towers, Ian Boyer, all of them. I mean, there must have been a dozen young people got a chance in the team. Well, I was going to ask, in terms of, of looking at, at how youth setups are these days and, and, and kind of looking at the, at the City's Academy in particular, it, it's a world away from what it was when, when you were coming through the ranks. What, what, what were you doing as a, as a youth player to kind of earn your stripes? The same as now, you know, I mean, you just have to be infatuated with the game and, like, ridiculously dedicated to, to be a player. But you've got to love it. It's not it's not really hard work. We were, like, in every day, every day playing head tennis. If it was a day off, we came in, practiced, played, because we loved it. Not as, as well as we wanting to be a top player, it's just because we loved it. Unfortunately, now they're just not. The, the one thing you need is the opportunity, and that's what I was saying. We all got a chance. Now, now kids don't get a chance because obviously they're they're spending loads of money on foreign players, and unless you get the chance at the right time, you you missed your chance. You don't get it again. I was going to say when when you got your chance, um, you didn't half take it, did you? I mean, it's uh, you, you were you were kind kind of a, a mainstay in the city side for for quite a while. My first game was when I was eighteen. And I was subbed for a few times before then. And I was actually a midfield player then. And then I played quite a few games in the first team in midfield, quite big games, you know, the Cup Winners' Cup semi-finals, quarter-finals. But then I, then I got the chance at full-back, which I'd never really played before because of injuries and different things. And then it just it worked out for me. One of the great things was, like I said... The first team were all very supportive people. The other thing for me, when Davis played up front, and Malcolm just said to me, every time you get it, hit win. And I just hit it up to him, and he would win everything. And he made me look a decent player when I'd, <laughs> when I'd never played there before. I didn't really know what I was doing. So it was very, very simple. But, um, yeah, it was it was a really really good time in my life, a great time at the club, because they just won the league, the cup, cup winners cup, 
you know, it was a very, very strong team. And, and my first full season <laughs> was when Rodney came and we should have won the league. You know, I'm not blaming Rodney or anybody, but we should have won the league that year, which, anyway, that's another story. I was, I was going to ask about kind of coming through at that time because you'd just seen City lift the League Cup just before you came through. They'd, obviously, they'd won the league a couple of years earlier. Um, what was it like being in and, among, in and around that squad? People were really good people, real characters, good, good people. I mean, Tony Book was like the dad of the team. And then Alan Oakes, Glenn Pardo, people at them were real, real strong characters. And then, then you'd like the larger-than-life ones, Summer being Belly and, and Francis, you know. It was a real mixture, but all, all good people who, were, who really encouraged the young people. They were good. Do you remember getting to the League Cup final in 74 and, uh, and kind of the feeling ahead of that match? Yeah, we were, we were expected to win. I mean, the, our forward line was like a line-up of international stars. And we, we were told before the game... <laughs> get plenty of crosses in because their goalkeeper's no good in the air and we get these crosses in the goalkeeper, their goalkeeper was outstanding, he was just unbelievable, came and held every cross and we, we, we had a great team then but probably a little bit overweight towards the attacking side you know, we, we didn't really bother about defending much and if, as I said, the forward line were unbelievable players. <laughs> we should have won. You got the second chance in '76, though, and you did go on to win the game with uh, with Dennis's overhead kick. What What are your memories of of uh, kind of that era and being at Wembley at that time? Playing at Wembley is everybody's dream, because in those days, pitches weren't like they are now. You know, every the pitches were pretty mud baths and like <laughs> bumpy and. But Wembley was like a bowling green. So apart from the crowd and the atmosphere, I wanted to play on that because it was like just fantastic to play on. And then, then you have the crowd and the whole atmosphere of the, the, the occasion, which is like really special. Um, but it was a little bit mixed. The club was going through a change, you know, changing over from that initial strong team. And I th- think Tony Book did a really good job in that transition but um, I don't think he was really given enough support long term and we could have built another really strong team but it sort of fell apart a bit um, towards the end of Skip's reign What was it like going from having Tony Book as a teammate to a a manager? Um, for me, there was no problem at all because I loved him as a captain, I loved him as a teammate, and then as a manager, I'd have done anything for him. But um, as I said, I don't think. The, the, it's hard to say. There was an influx of new players who didn't have really quite as much respect as I did for him. But I don't think he was support. It was it was a time, right, when there was Don Revy, Bill Shankly, Matt Busby, then Cloughy, managers on the club, and Tony Book was the manager, and everybody. But the 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 chairman at the time basically said that he ran the club, so that undermined Tony Book big time, and 
I thought that was hard for him, that made it very difficult for him. I still, still think he did a great job in the circumstances, but if he had really got backed, you know, he, he could have done even better. What was it like at Main Road at that time? Because it's, it's something that, uh, I mean, a lot of fans these days might only have experience of the Etihad Stadium in Manchester City that, in, in kind of that, that way. Um, what was Main Road like to play at? I loved Main Road. I loved it. For the first time I saw a game there, the colours and the crowd, it was special, really alive. I loved the colour of the strip against the green grass and all the, the crowd. And playing, when I did <laughs> full-back, you know, the kickbacks being at the side of the pitch and then the main stand at the other side was fantastic for me because, you know, you, you get the ball and you can just feel this surge of emotion and power willing you to do well. And, um, yeah, that, I mean, everything moves on, but it's a, it was a much better atmosphere than the Etihad. You scored two goals for City. Um, mm. Do you still remember them? Which are your favourite? Oh, yeah. Well... <laughs> See, I didn't I didn't score many really because I was playing with players who were renowned goal scorers and and I mean I've learnt later as a coach if that's not in your head to go and score goals you're not going to score goals that's got to be your first thing. But as I say, I didn't really care as long as we won and and my goal was always Man City to win the league, which we never did when I was there because that shows you're the best team. I didn't really care about cups or anything. I wanted to win the league desperately. And when I left in 1980, I couldn't believe that they were actually relegated because all my time there, they were like one of the top four, five, six teams in the league. And for, for them to go down was just, for me, was like, I could not believe it. And then when they went, <laughs> when they went to like the third division, oh, my God. You know, it was just, uh, it was, it was like, <laughs> I like, don't like to say it was like hell, but luckily we got out of it and went back up again. Who, who was in, in the time that you played at City? Because um, obviously you've, you've, you've had a lot of teammates in, in that era. Um, who, was, who was your favourite to, to kind of link up with down the flank? <laughs> down the flank? Um, well, I, I always said uh a good relationship with Aza. Um, although he's more a midfield player, he sort of played a lot bit left. Paul Power, Paul Power was good to play with. Peter Barnes was good to play with. Um, but there was a, a lot, a lot of good players, a lot of international players. When you look at the, the team sheets. The team pictures from back then, a lot of good players. Obviously, Dennis Stewart was a very talented player. You know, I, there was a lot. But as I said before, the one who really made me was Wynn Davis because literally he was the bravest player I played with. He would head anything, put his head on anything and make me look good. Um, but my, my, my friends, my, the closest friends I had were... Nobody really could believe it, but Rodney Marsh was my roommate. And on, on the face of it, we were pretty opposite. <laughs> but became very good friends. And my family became friends with his family. And then Joe, Joe Royal and Aza 
the, the four of us really were pretty close. I was going to ask about um, Joe Royal because obviously it's it's no secret through your coaching career you've you've had a good relationship that way. Um, was it was it at City that uh, that it really kind of it clicked for you? Yeah, as I said, the four of us were pretty close. You know, when we were away and tours and stuff, <laughs> we all, <laughs> we were always close to each other. Um, and like I say, our families became close to each other. Joes and Azes, everybody. It was it was a very friendly friendly place, friendly time. It's not like now people from all over the world. We were yeah, everybody it was a real good team spirit. Everything that everybody at the club and you know, after a game if we if we went for a drink at City, everybody went. You know, everybody was there, not like three or four players. Everybody, even the players who didn't drink, would come for the team spirit thing. It was really good. Talk me through the day when you walked back through the doors at Main Road in in '97. What what had changed? Ah, there were so many things. Uh, it was unbelievable, really, because they'd, they'd been through a few managers. A few managers had been sacked, and there was 54 professionals. So, like the f- the first couple of days, we just played two games, 11 v 11, then another 11 v 11 to try and see the players we had. There was that many. So it was, like, really difficult, really difficult. And some players who had big reputations weren't really performing. And it takes time to, to get to know people, for them to get to know you. And, and the first season, we just missed out on staying up, you know, at Stoke. But we we needed a little bit longer, really, to get to know the whole situation. When the relegation happened, were you concerned about the future for the club? Because, I mean, having spoken to to some of the people around the club at that time, there there seemed to be a feeling that the future was very uncertain. (laughs) It was uncertain, but I've never been like that. I've never felt like that. I've never got involved in the politics of a club. I just try and deal with the players. That's why I loved working with Joe. Joe was great with the board, the fans, the media, all that stuff, which I'm not really interested in. So I never really got distracted by that sort of stuff. It just wouldn't interest me. Do you remember when it turned around the following season? Because um, there's there's a the kind of infamous game that that fans talk about of uh, of the loss at York away in uh, in the December. Um, do you remember the, the the kind of the games after that when it when it really started to to pick up a resurgence? One, one of the ones I think was when we played Wrexham away. It was a horrible day, and we we managed to win somehow. And I thought, oh, that, our luck's changing. But we still we still got pretty hairy towards the end. <laughs> yeah, it was it's a great way to go up. It's the best way, better than winning. I think, and I love the playoffs. I think it's great for the game. Everybody's said, oh, no, they don't agree. It's fantastic for the game because, like me, if a few weeks to go, you can have like twelve teams still in me a chance and get promotion. So, yeah. But what about when you've just finished third? Well, it happened a lot to us at Oldham. A lot, a lot of times when we had cup runs and stuff, the players were just drained. And we missed out, but eventually we done it. 
Um, no, uh, I, I loved it. I loved that. It was great, great time. So talk me through the the morning of the game at, at Wembley. What what are you saying to the players to uh, to keep them nice and calm? <laughs> well, personally, I, I I got I got them playing a lot of head tennis and stuff like that, just fun stuff. And because you know the the practice all through the week. And over the months is what matters. It isn't. You, you can't change something on the day of the game. They don't. I don't believe in all that stuff. But it was. They were good people. That's what it's always all about. Good people, and they were a bunch of good people, who who helped each other, worked for each other, were honest. Yes, yeah, so always delighted for them. And of course. You know, you get to the final ten minutes, and Gillingham have scored twice, and the the second goal came about three minutes from the end of the game. Um, a lot of the players that I've spoken to from that game kind of put their 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 attitude of never giving up down to you, and so that that you were the one that always instilled play to the end. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was a test. That one, though. <laughs> it was lucky that I something. Something came to me, and that just I, I could see everywhere. People were all walking out. Everybody was down, and I could see there's a choice: either just give up or get them going. So I just started shouting, "Get it up there! <laughs> get the ball forward! Get into their box!" When everybody was just like devastated. And so, but then everybody got on to it, everybody, and then we got a goal, and then everybody was buzzing. And then I could see their bench getting a little bit nervous, and when it came up five minutes or something extra time, I could see they were really panicking. So, yeah, it was good. It was great. As I say, they're they're good people. How did you react when Paul slammed it into the top corner? Oh, yeah, I was really pleased for him. It was a great goal. He deserved it for the, the sort of player he was, the work he he did. He deserved it, um, but yeah, it was fantastic. And I mean, penalties—it's a bit out of your—it's a lap of the gods, you know. But we we had practiced penalties, and the the funny thing is, when in the practicing, Nicky Weaver never saved one. Because the the penalty takers were so good, not that he was bad. So for him to be for him to be the hero, that was nice, and the players to to win, that was great. I was going to ask you about Bodikov's uh, penalty as well, because I mean I, I don't think I've ever seen it before or since a penalty hitting both posts. And <laughs> you know Joe Rowe was telling me that he was the best taker in, in training as well. Yeah, he was very good, but that, the pressure the pressure of that time is unbelievable I wouldn't like to take a penalty then in that situation so I've got a great admiration for them to have the balls to do it What was it like watching Blackburn hit the post again and again and again on that final day of the season? I didn't really care as long as we went up I didn't didn't really (laughs) the nice thing one of the nice things was we beat them and Graham Souness was like gone mad 
because we beat them at their ground and we, we won the, the league. But, um, oh, that, that's football. That's football. You need to... I think we were always pretty steady with things. And when things were going well, we weren't like outrageous. When things were going bad, we weren't panicking. So that, that last game summed it up, really. You just keep believing, hang in there. Was a bit worrying. <laughs> what was your... Obviously, the following season didn't quite go as planned. Um, dropped out on the second-last game of the season. Um, what What was your reaction when you, you, you got into work to hear that Joe Royal had lost his job? Uh, it's, it's a bit personal. Um, but the first thing I said was, well, I, well, I need to go as well. So I wanted to go as well. Um, but then everybody, everybody was like trying to persuade me to stay, you know, Kevin Keegan, stay with Kevin Keegan. He was a nice man, but I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have stayed. I should have gone. And that was what I wanted to do. For all sorts of reasons, I didn't. It's a long story that's a bit too personal to really divulge, but with hindsight, I should have gone. I wish I'd gone. And that's not nothing against Kevin Keegan or anybody else who's a good man. 